What's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here. You're listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. I'm here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz. Uh, our timing was off this morning, and we didn't know who was doing the intro. So it's yeah. me. We try to go back and forth every episode, but if you've been listening to these consecutively, you'll probably see how bad we are at planning that. Yeah, I know nothing. And uh, so we just we just <laughs> switch it up. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think we've got like kind of a random episode um, today. We're kind of both all over the place. You're fully dug into uh, growth mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. taking over the world. Yeah, well, a little tiny, <laughs> tiny corner of the world. I'll say. You, know, you are first week, first three days with a full timer. That's right. Dude. Feels good. Feels real good. It's, it is very nerve wracking. Yeah. But I think it's just because it is like the, the single biggest, most instantaneous change since the two or two or so years ago that I got a machine. It's like the most happening all at once in one week because the workflow of two people is not the same as a workflow with one person. So it's like every single process is getting restructured to be a not necessarily a two-person job but to be uh it's hard to explain it's like i'm doing certain parts of it and that can be in sequence with things he's doing yeah and then also for example assembly i was doing in my office in like the clean environment of my office because that's i would assemble and package at the same time Mm -hmm. but it makes the most sense now for assembly to happen in the shop so we were rearranging in the shop for assembly to be out there and then packaging only to be in here Mm -hmm. um and so stuff like that where it's like it's kind of like you have your bedroom all tidy and you get a new girlfriend and she wants to like change everything. And it's like that little, that little anxious feeling. But then I look at our productivity and all the things he's getting done. I'm like, this is awesome. Dude, the fact that you, the fact that you are being productive while training an employee in the first three days of having an employee, I think is a testament to your process. He, the, the things that he's picked up so far that I've basically transitioned to his plate have been instantaneous going very well. Um, there's still training and stuff. So some of it is like with supervision, but as yeah. far as like the, the initial response, like it's awesome. It's That's great. Feel, feels good. Really good. So here's a, here's like a weird question. Um, do you have, do you have like a little bit of extra land like around no, your house? No, shop? Not really. We're on a pretty small lot. Okay. Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask if you could do one of those like eight by 20, like office shipping containers. Like yeah. on the side. Can't swing it. Can't yeah. swing it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would have been a sweet like assembly shipping. And then you mm-hmm. have a shop all in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, the the assembly is going to work great. The re, I mean, for me, assembly, I would, because my orders were custom configured, mm-hmm. I would order, I would pull out the order sheet, build their knife. Mm-hmm. And then to make absolutely sure their knife went to them, it would just go straight into a box and straight into a package with their shipping label. Right. So there's only ever one assembled knife at a time, not in a package. Oh, wow. And and, and so that worked really good when, when it's a one man yeah. thing. But again, with two people, it's like he would have to be in my office. And then most of what I need to do is be in the office. So we'd right. be camp two people sitting in the same office, right? The size, and of now that. you're just doing like this is like pick and pull, right? Like yeah, so you have so, you have a list of like what the order is. You have a yeah. pick sheet, right? Yeah. And so then Come I got through. like tray organizers, so he'll, yeah. there'll be like finished orders in slots, and that way I'm doing shipping of pre-assembled knives, mm-hmm. and then also it gives me the ability to inspect. Mm-hmm. So if he was doing the exact way that I'm doing, 
I would not see the knife after it's assembled. Right. And so I, I didn't like that. And it's like, I want to inspect the knife and I trust him fully, but like being, you know, my, my knives that I'm putting a signature on like a, a certificate of authenticity, yeah. like I need to hold the knife before it goes out. Um, and so this way allows it, he does the assembly. I do a full inspection ship. So it's pretty good. Did yeah. I, this is like a kind of a weird digression, but, but it's related. Um, did I tell you about the conversation I had with my neighbor who has an Airbnb? Do we talk about that? Uh, no, she just mentioned this in passing. So she's got a house, like four houses down that she rents ran into her. She's moving back into it, blah, blah, blah. And somehow like house cleaning came up and she told me, she's like, yeah, she's like, what I do is I do every fourth cleaning mm. and my brain like latched onto it because what she's doing is essentially offloading the majority of the work, but keeping her eyes on enough to see if there's any major problems. Yeah, yeah. And like related to what we do, it's like if you were to fully separate yourself from the shipping process and then six months later, look at the shipping process. Like you might, you might realize like this has been missed. Like, yeah, just yeah. go, just being able to put your mind on it a little bit of the time. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was so good. That's smart. And, and right? to, to strategize it, not just to do it like haphazardly, but no. to say the, every fourth cleaning, every that's, fourth that's cleaning. Brilliant. And so she was like, she's like last week, she's like, I ran in, she's like in a closet. There was like a pile of mildew towels, mildewy towels that were like perfectly folded, but someone had put away wet. Mm-hmm. So house cleaner missed it. And she, but she's like doing it and, and found it. And I was just like, where else does that, like, how can that play in? I've, I've struggled with it in our business because over the years, there's been so many tasks that I've kind of had, like I've stepped away like from completely. And then you realize this is like, this is like, um, like founder's dilemma, right? If you start doing shipping, your brain is constantly making small improvements, yep. but someone else in that role isn't necessarily doing that. So if you step away and then come back, you're still able to make those improvements because you're going to be like, this doesn't make any sense. Let's do this. Or like, let's get this type of, this label printer is really slow. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm I'm really happy. Honestly, like you pointed out, like it has been very productive and it was really like hit the ground running and it, it hasn't, there hasn't been any hitches or anything. But like I said, I think I do have some anxiety, just full transparency, just because of like change, rapid, rapid change. You know what I mean? Like, everything's, everything's getting rearranged. Everything's, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to have to re realign myself with like a new direction in a sense. Yeah. So it's like, I'm getting trained probably more than he is. That's the, I think, I think that's been one of the most interesting parts of having employees. It's yeah. like by the, by the action of having to explain and show and walk mm-hmm. through your process. I just feel like there's so many times where I'm like, wait, why do I do it this way? This is yeah. like, it isn't teachable. Yeah. And like, okay, the how can of- we do it better? And the feeling of letting go, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he he's running the machine right now. And it's like that feeling of just like, okay, that's his machine. Just let oh, it I go. It. You know what I mean? Like I have to work on, you know, cutting the bond from that process that I developed. Yeah. Not totally like you pointed out, but it's, yeah, I'm in a growth, personal growth week right now of like changing. It. Yeah. Three years away from an R and D lab in the basement. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's going to be awesome. Right. <laughs> Don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's nice, man. Uh, so, we're still, we're still, we've got our, our limited part-time help. Mm-hmm. Um, and even there it's been, it's been super, super helpful. Um, good. man, I, I think I already talked about this, but I really, I just missed that ability to, to delegate. Oh, it helps so much. So much. So we've been doing like, we're, we're setting up leather. Um, so we've been running, like we've had two days of just running coasters. Um, and it's kind of nice because I've got him running the parts. And like, I went ahead, like first day we had the, the clicker press, like set up kind of, you know, just jury rigged. And then before he came back, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll like actually plummet and like run airline and set up a pressure mm-hmm. regulator to it. So I'm noticing that just by the action of having someone in the space working, it's forcing me to improve the space, which improves the work yeah. regardless of who's doing it. Yeah. Um, Same so. thing happened to me because we got. Uh, we got a, a pneumatic tool up and running now for mm-hmm. stoning bevels for the first time. And it just so happens that all the parts and everything came together the same week that he was coming in. And so I had like an airline just straight to the air chuck by the compressor mm-hmm. go into this thing. And I, you know, if it were just me, I probably would have ran with that for a while until yeah. I found like a, a, a margin to go and plumb that in more securely. Yep. But then he's doing it. And I, and I was looking at that airline. I'm like, well, now that he's doing it, I can go to home Depot get some fittings yes. by a regulator. And so I, I routed that, I did that this morning and exactly the same thing that you did. It's like, yeah. I'm looking at these airlines thinking about those while he's, yep. you know, helping stone. So, yeah. Well, and that's, I think we, we talked about like the coaching thing a little bit, the, the analogy of like being like a, a rancher or a farmer, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's a prime example. Like you just made your system more efficient. It just it wasn't direct bottom line productivity. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But long term, that's like it's just a pure investment. Yep, um, absolutely. It's fun. We just got I got a two no a th- two ton two ton arbor press nice. for doing stamping. Um, just it's like an arbor, just, not an yeah. H frame. No it's, arbor. Yeah, it's a big one. Then. So the cool thing, yeah, big big arbor. It's nice because it's fast. Mm-hmm. H frame. You've got like click 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 yeah. click click. Um, this is specifically for stamping leather though. Mm-hmm. So it's upstairs. Um, and then, yeah, man, doing more, I've been doing more learning around the laser. Mm. Um, we've been doing these little, uh, lasered, like I'm throwing kind of like a big macro rose on some of my CRKT designs and we throw them up on the website. And I think in the last, like last month we've sold like close to like 200. No kidding. And it's great because it's that's another awesome. one for John. He'll come in and it's like, sit down. I'm like, okay, we're going to do 50 knives and just mm-hmm. laser these. That's brilliant. Yep. I'm loving it. That's brilliant. Another, we talked last week about having the embossing plate inside the cutter for the clicker. There's another way to do it that we actually initially did that might be a faster start for you. If you, if you get the, like the exact shape of your cutter, it's a circle, right? For the the coasters. Mm -hmm. If you get that diameter into CAD and you make the embossing plate, you have the embossing and then you have a ring Mm -hmm. where that's the exact diameter. If you emboss the leather before cutting it out, then if the embossing is perfect, you can set the cutter in the embossing of the perimeter right. and, it, and and cut it after embossing because the cutter will fall into that V of where that, per, that oh, emboss is. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. And it, we were doing that first before we went the other way and it works really good. So, so when you were stamping, what was your, what was your stamping medium? Like what was the actual stamp made out of? Uh, G10. G10. Okay. Yeah. And you machined yeah. it? So I, at the time I didn't have a CNC, this was years ago and, mm-hmm. uh, Darren Sorois actually machined it for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll have to figure some of that out. I think I could probably do, cause we're, we're cutting our dyes on the laser. Um, so I think I could probably figure out how to do like some kind of line die. I just, yeah. I like the one, like what we did one stage, I guess it's a two stage process of yeah. stamping and cutting at once. Yeah. Where I guess where I don't know is like, how do you set the correct like depth to cut or is it just yeah. by the foam? Uh, so w- what the way I had it set up was I had like two layers of neoprene mm-hmm. and that's actually mostly for ejection. Yeah. And then below that, you can, if you get like, I don't know, 30 or 50 thou acrylic or something, mm-hmm. you can stack those up until it gives oh. you the right depth. And so you have just, if, if the leather ends up coming in thicker, you can take a layer out or oh, put one back smart. in. So it's like, you kind of have a stack up of liners. Okay. Um, I like and that. so, and then that way you just, the neoprene compresses fully, like it goes all the way down to where it's like all the way compressed okay. and then it starts to emboss and then the neoprene ejects the leather. Got it. And so you could probably do it without the neoprene, but yeah. the neoprene gives it a little bit of sponge a and a little bit of like, it allows for that embossed to also sit flatter because yeah. it's kind of absorbing some of the inconsistencies that are there. So. Yeah, I like that. And then also, is everything like, are you attaching this in any way or is it like kind of everything comes apart every uh, time you stamp? It No, you can there's multiple ways you can do it. Like the, the ones we had, like the, they were kind of wedged in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can do, I think there, it was, there was enough friction that they weren't coming out. Okay. At all. But if you wanted to put like a few dot drops of super glue so that okay. if you needed to pull it out, I mean, it's neoprene, so you, you just, just peel it, it off. Yeah. Um, but you could do, you could do that or a little, little tiny bit of VHB or double stick or what, something. What, uh, what kind of neoprene? Uh, generic. Black. Like how thick? Uh, pretty thick like like half more, inch three six no no oh no, not no. that thick okay like well it was like three sixteenths but it was like two layers okay so it might be a quarter i just to, need to i just need to play with it yeah um, but yeah, yeah there, if you have the a, a big enough recess in your circle cutting die you mm-hmm. could just pl- play with the stack up yep. of how many layers of like acrylic and how many layers of neoprene yeah it's pretty easy to r&d that yeah yeah well and like and, again laser like i can throw that yeah. on the co2 cut spacers yeah. and then cut, yeah that's perfect yeah. And then is the inside of your cutter, is it a fully, is the steel fully covering the circle or does it have big through holes? You know um, the steel, let me see if I understand this correctly. Like um, if you, if you look at the inside. Yeah. Crevice, it's like, you got like a crossbar, a crossbar. So you might yeah. want to, you need, might need to cut like a piece of steel. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like looking at, I was like going to build another plate or like a round plate that goes inside of it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So that it's closed basically. Yeah. Cause the one I, I'm the cutter I was using was CNC machined from yeah, just a okay. block. And so it had just like a flat bottom. It didn't oh, okay, have like holes. It. Yeah. Otherwise, this is like, it's almost like tubing with a crossbar. Yeah. But yeah. I can fit, I can fab something. Yeah. If you fab something up. So otherwise you're going to get a deep emboss right where that bar is. Mm-hmm. And then your G10 or whatever is going to flex. And flex you're gonna, out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. It's fun. I love right now. I'm really enjoying figuring out like kind of efficient ways mm-hmm. for some of this stuff on like a, on like a analog level. Yeah. It was really satisfying. Yeah. So yeah. Le- yeah. Leather's leather's fun. My dad's, my dad came out uh, with some next gen sheaths for me. So oh. there's, there's new, new sheath designs. Like the Overland design was improved on the sheath and then also different leather. Um, and I'm like, it's just taking the next step. We had a, a custom tool made to emboss my logo in the front of it. Nice. So we've got that going. Yeah. It's awesome. I just launched those like this week. I love that your dad week. is doing sheets for you. Cause it, it's like such a, it's like a low key, 
like value add flex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, who your dad is? It's like uh, no big deal. I've, well, he's he really tries to turn down any work that isn't saddles because yeah. he's kind of a purist about like he's a saddle maker yeah. kind of thing. So he doesn't do much of this stuff, but you know, I kind of have an in. You got an so, no guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, Dude, it's I like it. Um, man, what else? We got, we got blade show coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both starting to think about that. I gotta, I have to book my flights less than a month, dude. Uh, uh, man, I'm I not, know. I'm not even doing it and it, I'm nervous. About it. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not yeah. displaying and I'm still nervous. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah. I, I, uh, my employee will be going, Dalton will be going with me to shows, but not this show is yeah. too soon, yep. but blade show West, he'll be down there with me. Cause I'll have That's an awesome. exhibit, but this one, I'm just going down solo and doing the same old thing that I've been doing, but maybe yep. probably next year I'll have an actual booth in Atlanta. I think it's a good plan. Yeah. I always tell people like, if you're even on the fence a little bit, just, just reach out. Mm-hmm. And just get on get on the list. I don't know if it's the same as it always was. Like I don't know what availability is, um, but you know, if you it's like it's not on paper, it doesn't exist. So yeah, exactly. If you want to do it, just and you do have to get on their list pretty early. Yeah, I found. I mean, earlier than what you might expect if you haven't done it before. Yeah, so several months, dude. That's exciting. Yeah, I like it. I've been I've been missing it actually. We'll see. I've got like my plans are always so nebulous, but like. I would like to get back into like maybe a three show rotation, maybe like one, one like custom custom show. And then a show like blade, I think where, where I got started to get kind of like burnout on it is I was treating it like, like a custom show, but bringing like almost production numbers mm-hmm. to where the man, the drain was just so high. It took so much work yeah. to get it done. But at the same time, you're like, there's so many people and so much support. Like you want to be able to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. Right. And like make it count for people that are going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, I think if I could get like, if I could get, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like a fixed blade running or something that is like a little more efficient, mm-hmm. I would jump back into doing blade. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm, good I'm feeling, I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling ready to start doing the trade show thing. I had to get, I think having an employee is the difference maker for that. Yeah. Because for me to plan to do production style making like I'm doing and get ready for the show, like I kept trying to do it and thinking about doing it and just like realizing I don't have the time to yeah. to commit to that. But now, you know, between now and October for Blade Show West, I think we'll be able to stack. Dude, some you're good. Just start. Yeah. Just start. Well, you're again, I say start, but like just start putting aside inventory. Um yeah. two blade show things that I was gonna mention. I don't know. Um because we don't have booze. Are you going to take any classes? Ooh, for Atlanta. That's a great point. I know Ben Peterson's in on one. Dude, I got tickets to Ben's class. Um, I might have to jump in. I think you should just because it's called dancing with the devil. Yeah. And it's Um, SEO and algorithms, SEO and e-commerce. And this is like, I love learning from people who have like a unique viewpoint and skill set. And I really think that this, like, this is an area where Ben shines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my brain does not work in this way. Yeah. It's not something I've ever had experience with. I don't take it into account when I look at how I run my business. Yeah. Data-driven marketing. Data-driven marketing. So this yeah. is something that is truly, like, I look at it and I'm like, I'm going to go in there and have no basis. Yeah. And I love that. 
yeah, same here. It's the, the, he's going to be talking about the battleground that some of the biggest companies yeah. fight on that yeah. littler companies just don't even know exists. Yeah. And in some ways or sh- that should know exists. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, like Nike versus Adidas, they've got yep. teams of guys doing SEO work and stuff. It's yeah. I'm sure it's a big, big field to understand. Yeah. yeah just a different, just a different game. And I don't even know how much of it is relatable to what I'm doing, but I have to assume that, I mean, it is right. It's mm-hmm. like an aim small, miss small. Mm-hmm. Um, like being well-informed in general. And then the other one I'm taking is completely like, opposite but also the same which is how to run a successful knife making business nice but it's by bob kramer oh cool so this is a very different this is a very different uh approach i would imagine um for those of you guys unfamiliar with bob kramer if anybody is uh he's a super talented bladesmith but one of the things that i love about the way that he has worked is he actually he brought in like auctions just work. So like this, I don't know why, I guess it's, I guess it's common maybe in the, in the bladesmithing side to some level, but I associate it with more in like the EDC, like hype side of the industry where you're seeing like lotteries and auctions. Um, dude, I mean, he'll sell a kitchen knife for $50,000 mm-hmm. there. His work is amazing. That's, it's that's, inspired. That's something that my dad would be interested in as far dude. as that class goes. Yeah. Cause that's it's a different, it's like yeah. the analog version, right? Yeah. I would, I would assume, I'm sure there's some component of like, cause he is, he has built that audience online like the rest of us out. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that his, he's going to look at it from a more nuts and bolts approach. Uh, and since I'm, uh, since I'm interested in forging, I'm really curious to see like, okay, how, if you're going to do that side of the business, that type of work, how do you make that efficient? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I think it's, it's got parallels to what we do, but it is different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different process. Just no, go, that's, just that's buy tickets to those. I need to, I need to go look at the whole list too. Yeah. I haven't actually even looked at it, but yeah, yeah. Ben, Ben's my good buddy. I'd love to, love to yeah. get in there and I heckle know. him. Can't wait to have him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, it should be good. Um, yeah, other than that, what else? What else we got going on? So here's a cool topic that is kind of a full transparency type of situation, which I hope we can do with all of our conversations on this podcast. And that mm-hmm. is, how do you monetize a podcast? And should we monetize this podcast? And uh, we've been talking about it. A little bit. Yeah, I th- there's a couple... One, okay, yes, we should monetize the podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is work. It does take time. I do value it. So like there's that mm-hmm. aspect. But I think more it's, for me, it's like it puts skin in the game. Like I think that monetizing it makes me look at it more serious, maybe like in a more serious yeah. like point of view. It becomes a mature business. Like yeah. A, a, it becomes a business. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and it's a different, you've actually, I would say you've actually had a business that is somewhat similar because you've had like a media business. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. But you, but you, you get my meaning, right? Mm-hmm. I have not. And so I think at this point, it's a fun process to actually go through and like, okay, if we monetize, we actually have to create a business 
around this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fun project for yeah. us. Yeah, right? for sure. Look at it differently. Related business, but not the same. So um, we could talk also, I mean, we've talked at it quite a bit, but there's, we even still today are sitting here talking about all these different possible ways of monetizing. We haven't even decided which way to go. And, yeah. uh, there's things like Patreon, right? Which a lot of people are familiar with, but basically a subscription model that doesn't necessarily block. It's not a paywall for the podcast, right? It's a, it's a, like, it's got a little bit of a donation vibe to it. Yeah. Which I and, don't love. Right. Well, okay. There's two ways. It, I think it has a donation vibe, but the idea behind Patreon is that you're providing content that is different yeah. from what you are presenting in your primary format. Yeah. You like add a private layer on top of the existing podcast. Right. So and my then, concern, my concern around that is like, can we actually add enough value to make that worthwhile and like realizing like, I think a lot of these like people are throwing in like a few bucks a month or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's like, uh, like one podcast I listen to, they do Patreon and it's like, if you're a Patreon member, you get to like call into the show. Mm, yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's, that is actually pretty cool. Like, so you can do like Q and A's, um, you know, or you block out time for like Q and a kind of stuff. Um, that my fear is around creating additional content because the podcast right now is a really good fit for me on a timeline. Same. Like, yeah, say, and you're doing the editing. So you have a higher workload than I do at the point where you're actually creating separate content. I just don't know if the consistency yeah. would be there. Yeah. The workload would be right. a lot higher all of a sudden. Right. Um, a lot more decision-making too, to divide up content into like the free category and the paywall category. Yeah. So we've been talking about sponsorships. Yeah. And, uh, I think we both agree that's kind of a good way to go. Um, yeah, that, I mean, it feels, it feels like a good fit for us given like our time in the industry and like our like relationships in the industry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause w- what I like about sponsorships is like, it's a full transparency thing. It's mm-hmm. like if, if we had sponsors, I mean, the whole purpose of it is that we tell you who's sponsoring us um, and it'd be people that we believe in and that that believe in us, that we have honest relationships with, of course. And then it retains like free viewership of all our content on the, on the listener side, Yep, which I really like. Um, Agreed. And so that way it's like, it's a very symbiotic thing. You know what I mean? And, um, and it doesn't feel like we're, we're leveraging the audience at all either. At least it wouldn't feel like it to me. Well, and I Um, still, like, I still have like some imposter syndrome around like podcasting because I'm like, who, who am I really to like be able to like talk, you know, but I realize I'm like, okay, I've been in this industry a long time. And like, ultimately you and I are just having conversations. And if someone doesn't want to listen to it, they could just like not listen to it. Yeah. 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 But I do, I do feel weird around putting up some type of like paywall or like, cause it feels like putting my hand out and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I knew that we could create and maybe, maybe this is not like a hard decision. Maybe it's like at the point where we have content, additional content, if we Mm -hmm. ever get there or like some val a a listenership that would actually like value being able to like have some direct, like almost like, like a limited kind of, 
uh, what, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, not, maybe not like coaching, but you know, some element of like being able to reach out with specific yeah. questions. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense maybe for Patreon or like, I don't yeah. Q and A's that are frequent and like scheduled or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, you know, even at a show, like a meetup or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Meetups. Like, like a, you get, so yeah. it would be, it would be the Patreon would essentially be like gaining access to, or you could, if we, if we took this, like the, that next extension of like, do we create product around the podcast? Does that play into like a Patreon thing where like, oh, if you're a member, like you have access to like this drops or these drops or like, and like advanced notice. Mm. I just, I'm enjoying the process because I think that different businesses benefit from different tactics. Like that's an obvious statement, but I, I am really interested on a personal level in like seeing like where I can input like techniques that I've used that work in my business, like what crosses over and what is the new thing that I have to learn. Mm-hmm. So you do it okay. the way I used to do it and put these all on DVD and sell them as DVDs. Dude, let's throw it back. <laughs> like, comes with a DVD player. Right. Like, right. Oh, I, I like that. Um, well, okay. So those, okay. So we have Patreon, we have sponsorship and then merch. We have merch. Um, I guess the only other one would be like some type of affiliate program, but does that, yeah. does that fall under sponsorship? I don't think so. Yeah. Cause affiliate program would be, we have a they, discount code. Yeah. Discount code type thing, which, which is something I've seen pretty frequently out there. You right. see it on YouTube a lot. I'm really liking it as like a first step as just like a sponsorship because it's, everything's on the table. It's, it's the most, it's the easiest to understand by all the parties, you know, the listener, us the sponsor, like it's just, a very simple, clean way to do it. Right. Um, I like the sound of that. I, I think, I think around sponsorship, there's another component that is important, um, which is like active sponsorship. Like I'm kind of less interested in just having like an ad or some type of, well, and this is the weird thing. Like, okay. Our numbers are not crazy. Right. So like if we go to a company and we're like, Hey, are you interested in sponsoring us? If you look at it from a, a metric of like just advertising, I don't know that the value is there. Mm-hmm. What I like yeah. is almost the concept of like a brand liking what we're doing and being like, we want to support this mm-hmm. and be related to it. And like, yeah. how can we be involved? Yeah. I think that, I think that's much more, it's like a soul surfer type of thing where you're like, you're not doing competitions, but you're like out and like occasionally photos are taken. Yeah. You know, it's like like more of a brand development. Yeah. Or like not, not like, like, yeah, like a free, like a, there's a few sports that have that, right. Where you're like kind of like a free, like a free agent, but you're sponsored. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're not like expected to like go and like, you know, podium every time. Yeah. You're not shilling just left and right. Yeah. 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 Not a a NASCAR driver. Yeah. And I think that that is that it makes it more difficult because I almost feel like we could probably get a couple brands to like sponsor us. And maybe through that also, like we would have it like people that are listening, get a discount code or whatever. But I think the active participation adds a level of complexity, but it also makes it more fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do agree like with the sponsorship. I mean, having it not be just a total sterile thing, having it be like they're coming into the community, 
so that yeah. the podcast is a community with a corporate member involved um, that the humans in that corporation are like joining the community in a sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. In some, yeah. and that's the thing. It's like, is it, there's a lot of questions that like come around this. Um, yeah. And then it's like, what I think, I think that plays into who we would want to sponsor us. Also like you want to like, ideally you don't want a single source, but you also don't want conflicting. So it's like, mm-hmm. you're essentially trying to create a community around your sponsors Mm-hmm. which is, I feel like that in and of itself is kind of a fun project. Yeah. yeah. No, right. It's, it's fun. The whole idea of it. Yeah. I think, we, I think we should move on that for sure. On like okay. on the sponsorship side and then merch. I really think merch would be cool. If anyone's listening who wants a cool hat. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. We should, we've been talking about that. We definitely need to move on that. I think that, I cool. think that is a good project just for you and I uh, to dig into. So that, and that means if we have merch, we need a website. If we have merch and a website, we actually need a business to be set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all good things. Just, it's kind of like any one of those forcing the other two or like pushing the other two is great. But I feel like designing product is the easiest way to like make sure that you like due diligence or like, Oh, we have to, mm-hmm. we have to put on a website and we have to like, um, have a place to put the money. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, because we don't want it, we don't want it like commingling with our yeah. standard business. Yeah. Since it's a joint accounts. venture. Yeah. That's my, that's my thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. No, for sure. Yeah. A standalone entity on paper. That's fun yeah. too, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like we have the, bit like we, we have someone who can do accounting for us. Like we, I still think, I think we base the business in Idaho and we give you primary, like give you like a percentage primary. So you're like a decision maker. I think it's I like know. a fun, I'm a bad decision maker. I'll drive this ship into the, but this, <laughs> again, this is like the fun thing to look at because like yeah. in reality, like the stakes are pretty low. Mm-hmm but I've never had business partners before. And so like, well, how do you learn about having business partners? You might get to a point, you more than me probably get to a point where five, 10 years from now, someone approaches you about a partnership or something like, Hey, like Mm -hmm. let us come in. We want to fund this much by doing like a grassroots version of seeing how partnership works. I think it's a really, yeah. It's like a very good, like pre playing small ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's like wiffle ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Low, low. I like low yeah. stakes, man. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. So, yeah, okay. we, we, to everyone that's listening, like we love having you listen. Um, yeah. and we really appreciate it. So, I mean, if you guys have any thoughts on that too, let us know. Cause, like I said, if this is a community, I love hearing what you guys think. I mean, yeah, same. I'd love, to, I'd also love like drop us a line and let us know who you would like to see. Like, we kind of have in mind, like, some sponsors. Yeah. Like Red Bull. I can't wait, dude. <laughs> Backflip off the roof. <laughs> well, the hard choice is Red Bull or monster. You know what I mean? Yeah, Cause there's no choice. They there. both asked already. So Red Bull gives oh. you wings. <laughs> do we, we just do both. And then we each like, it's like NASCAR. Right. Like we just wear opposing gear. Shake and bake. <laughs> oh man. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I would be, I would be curious to know if there's any like tie-ins. Um, 
And how, like, what do you think, TJ? Like, what's the right number? Like, if we were going to just, if you're going to engineer it right now, gut response, how many sponsors does a podcast have? Like two or three. I don't that know. was that was my thought. Yeah, like between yeah. like one one to start to d- develop the process, mm-hmm. maybe two to three, and I don't even I'm, I'm I don't even know that that's accurate. I was trying I'm trying to think. No, I bet like if you listen to like you know the the high output podcasts, I guess. Well, here's another question then: What's the like between sponsorship and advertisers? Mm, there's a yeah. there's a difference a big there. difference yeah right yeah so like are we selling spots or are we doing a brand collaboration you know what i mean because or but or yes and yeah, yeah right yeah so and does one lead to the other so like okay so like you have a sponsor they're almost more like like that like a little bit of like a like a partner mm. right um, what do they receive for that? Whatever they're putting into the, to, into the pot yeah. versus like, like someone who is advertising, like, here's a weird one, dude, I use, um, I use safety glasses that I love. And I'm like, I would like to have a discount code mm-hmm. for the safety glasses and yeah. put them on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have no, like, I've never reached out about anything like that. But like, I guess that would be like an advertiser, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, this is and a it, podcast hustle. There's a lot of people who use Amazon for that because then you don't even have to talk to the company because if if those sun, if those glasses are sold through Amazon, you can do an Amazon affiliate link where Amazon is giving you the kickback and they're, you know, like so the, okay, so they're that's the middleman. So that's an that's another option then. So for Amazon affiliate links, is there a way that we could be like, hey, we like this product, we want an affiliate link, and they'll give it to us? Yeah. How does that yeah. work? You have to get approved for it for the affiliate program. But like most, not most, a lot of YouTubers, if you go on their website, like they'll have the Amazon affiliate links that the stuff that they like. Um, so if like if you want the tools or the equipment that this YouTuber is using, and you go on their site, you can support them by ordering it through their affiliate link through Amazon. You're and it's just an approval mind. process. But and so you mean those that all of those people don't actually have direct contact with the companies that no. they have affiliate links for? No, no. They're just like, I like this camera and they've been approved on Amazon. Yep. Okay. 100% we need to try to do that. Mm-hmm. Cause that actually changes it. Cause there's a lot of products that I actually really, really like that I feel like would create value. That'd be great. Yeah. Or WD 40. You know WD-40. what I mean? WD 40. Good for. Yeah, everything. Well, it gives you a vector for like if someone wants to support the podcast, if they're going to buy something anyway, anyway, if they were to buy it through your affiliate link, then it would help us. And so it's like, oh, dude, I love that. That's actually that right there feels like not okay. Sponsorship is important to me on a community level, right? Like I want someone else to be invested. Mm -hmm. That feels like the most viable other than our own direct merchandise of a way to monetize that's mm-hmm. like not putting your hand out and you're like, here's something cool. And if they go buy it, they it's like two birds, one stone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right. So yeah. there's a little bit of a uh, look into that. Um, I don't know what the approval process looks like, but Ben Peterson, yeah. help us help please. <laughs> Where, where's the, where's the Ben sign? Yeah. He knows a lot about Amazon. So. Wild hair. 
we yeah, shine I, it into the clouds. He got a haircut. Tell us about the Amazons. I know. Yeah, I hate yeah. it. But his, his profile picture on Instagram still has it, so I can still <laughs> daydream about it. Oh, I love yeah. <laughs> Getting lost in the locks. Right. Dude, yeah, I love it. Um, okay, here's a curveball. Where's my collab? Where's your collab? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Dude. That's, that's a, a real great one. question. So here's where I'm at. I've got the employee now. Yep. Working the getting the gears turning on moving all these projects along that have been kind of stalled. Um, I feel good about, about getting your knife in pretty dang soon. Now that, mm. now that I've got Dalton in here, um, got to start moving on it. Like yeah, n- this, now that he's here, I think it's probably a two week chunk of time that I'm kind of deciding is a non functional time for me to be productive. It's like, I just want to think about Your what he's doing him. and help him and just be a direct, like his shadow yeah. and not like annoyingly so, but just try to make sure that like any question he has is answered. Anything that could possibly come up, I'm there. Yep. And so I'm kind of like more focused on him than anything else in the business. After that, things open way up and that's where I'm now free to do this kind of thing. Cause like this project that we've been working on, that's one of the reasons why I hired him is cause I need to do some more legwork on this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I basically we haven't done time. too much on it yet. So it's time for me to to pick right. up and and run. And, and we're at the two year timelines. This I know is, it's the it's the, yeah. the reality of production. Yeah. Well, I love it. W- once I can pivot to it, um, my my production from like having the design complete to having a finished knife isn't that long. It's um, wild. I can crank through it pretty fast, uh, but it's just. I, I just have to focus on that. You know what I mean? I just, I need more time to design and build fixtures. That's what's been missing in my whole business model. Yeah. Um, so now it's time to, to have that happen. So here's, here's one for you. Um, so I'm, I'm still like, I'm forcing myself to use fusion 360. Um, I just did a project yesterday. Like I'm, st- I, I modeled, I finally modeled like an actual knife in fusion 360, right? Mm-hmm. Looks like a knife prints, like a knife, like, and I'm, it's blowing my mind. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in my the way that I was looking at it, it was like I have to learn the modeling, the cam, and then figure out how to make this stuff. And recently, I was thinking that maybe that's actually the wrong way to look at it. Which is right now, if I just focus on the modeling, the CAD and modeling side, and really try to learn that as opposed to kind of trying to learn all three Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, I'm going to switch to a Pearson. Okay. Now I got to figure out like I designed this knife. Now I got to like instantly make it. What do you, what's your gut on it? Like, um, it's a balance because there's so much about designing the fixtures and doing the cam that actually informs you on how to do the CAD. Um, but it's not that loop. Like you want to have a good foundation in CAD before you begin that loop. Um, so I would, I would dig hard into CAD for a while. Um, that's, that's my probably, thought. Like that's probably just, what I would say. just really get the muscle. And I'm, t- I'm not talking like forever. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you know how that goes, but like if I do, cause the reason, the reason is that I can do CAD from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like we got summer coming up. We got family vacation. I can take a laptop. Um, if I, if I get to, if I get to where I can hit CAD flow state where I know enough of the process to be able to complete 
the work, I think I'll actually do it. Yeah. And and I think that by trying to go cam and prototyping, I think I'm dr- I'm, I'm actually going to overload myself and like yeah. slow it down. And I'll, at least in my experience, cam is easier than CAD. It's yeah, way, totally. It's just way less going yeah. on. In and I have a basis in it, right? Yeah. Like you've machined. learning. Yeah. Learning yeah. fusion is different for me because all of a sudden I'm solid modeling and yeah. learning new software cam. I at least I can relate to, and I've actually done some cam infusion. Yeah. Um, and you know what you want the tools to do. So yeah. it's just clicking on the right thing. Yeah. And the bigger and, issue is actually because I want to take the knives further in machining. It's like switching the way that I'm doing my machine. And all of that comp- together is like a full ADHD overload. Like I see, mm. I see it kind of blowing a fuse for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's so, a, it's a big pill to swallow if you're doing it yeah. all at once for sure. And I don't, and that's the thing I don't need to right now. Like the goal is I don't necessarily need to bring a product to market off, like off of the CNC right now, not nearly as bad as I need to be able to fully model any project I do going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I think is, that's it's where me, like, it's like the priority. The CAD side is, is the most universal part is of the that. universal. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, for me, when I was learning cam, cause I only learned cam two years ago when I got yeah. my machine, I hadn't even touched it before that. Yeah. And it, the hard part for me was like knowing how to make the machine cut the way I want it. It wasn't yeah. even the programming. It was just yeah. like, how deep do I plunge the end mill? Three flute, two flute, five right. flute, what kind of coding, like the actually being a machinist yeah. was the massive learning curve for me. Yeah. And the cam, like it just wasn't that complicated the nice thing too is like what we're running for the most part is like you kind of plug and play it yeah like we're running steel i'm running titanium we're Mm -hmm. running composites you know you might be running brass or like so you kind of get to a point where you're like feeds and speeds are pretty consistent the Mm -hmm. side like the the envelope the part envelope is is pretty consistent Mm -hmm. um yeah i i just noticed it yesterday i think like the idea of having one area of frustration is okay at the point where like, if I start moving into actually machining parts, I'm going to still be struggling with setting up and doing the drawings in fusion. Mm-hmm. So it's like you are, you're stacking the potential areas of like frustration. That just doesn't seem like effective. So if I get to a point where I'm like, cool, I can model a knife. Mm-hmm. I will have a bunch of knives modeled at that point. It's like, okay, now I need to figure out how to machine it mm-hmm. but in at that point doing cam and designing fixtures seems like a natural tie in. Yeah. Am I right? Can, can I, can I put something on you? A burden? Yeah. I'm not going to let you do the slot machining. You have to do water jet and fixture it. <sighs> <laughs> I know, I know. It I, hurts me to, to think. I about know, that. I know, <laughs> dude. It's such a throwback to like. I think making things by hand. I'm like, look at this magic machine that can. It just like cuts out all my parts. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like it, depending on the volume, it does. It's prototyping. Make sense. Prototyping, it's prototyping. It makes sense. Prototyping. Yeah. But if a, if it's a fixed blade, yeah. You by the time you're cutting steel, it should be prototyped. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, you have a 3d printer, <laughs> right like. now. But, okay. But this is the thing. Now that's true mm-hmm. yeah. before it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I still, man, 
here's the other, here's the other question in this. Okay. So if we put that, like if I do a run of fixed blades, no slotting and tabs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can agree to that. How do I differentiate between projects that I want to make completely by hand and projects that go to water jet and go on CNC on the marketing side? I just on the time allotment side. Oh, like what I I've been struggling with this and I think I've kind of come to an answer, which is it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. if I want to make it by hand, I probably just should. Yeah. Yeah. And, but and- the, but I don't want to default to it. Right. Right. And I feel, especially with fixed blades, it's so easy for me to grab like a concept, go downstairs, make a pattern, cut five or six knives out on the bandsaw and just like, I'm just making knives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that be. is, that is, I think really satisfying for the ADHD. It's like mm-hmm. movement and it is like zone of expertise. Like it's, it's right. But it's also a waste of time right, in a right. certain way if I know I can do it on the CNC. Mm-hmm. So kind of where I've ended up is like anything that falls under the category or like leans towards art, I can do by hand. If I'm making a product, and this is still being refined, if I'm making a product, essentially, it's it's going to be on the CNC. But now like, you under, now you understand my dilemma of what do I call the knives that I'm making? Totally. Like, like what what is this thing? I still I I will still hold that your knives are custom knives. I know. I, at one point, I I did say like firmly I'm production, but yeah. then I have waffled a couple times because. What I found is if I'm trying to explain to someone what it is, yeah. if I say production, then I'm like, well, but that doesn't it quite explain yeah. it because I'm making it to order. Yeah. So they're not sitting on a shelf. So no. I, and like you know. the, I think that just calling it production does like take it's custom production. Yeah. Well, it's okay. <laughs> like I really like the term micro production. Yeah. Right. Cause you can have production processes in a custom environment. Yeah. The fact that you, it is, it's, it's really, it's really nebulous. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I look at like, okay, if I start forging more, well, I have to be okay with making a knife by hand mm-hmm. inside of the business. Yeah. I have to be okay with it. And I, I think what made me not want to call it custom is like, there's a lot of people that would hear that and be like, that's not custom. Right. And yeah. I understand, I actually get what they're saying. Totally. And so it's like, I don't want to like step on toes there, but then calling it production doesn't do it enough justice either. Right. So I don't know. I know. Can't make everybody happy. I don't know. Dude, I think the only point to the descriptors is is ultimately like a filing. So it's almost for yourself. Like I look at it and like why we never why we moved away from the term mid tech fully. Mm-hmm. Because I realized brand was big enough to say production. And there were I just was comfortable with when I do a product that I consider production, calling it production. Yeah, yeah. Um the other option is that you can you, you can have knives in your line that you consider production and you could have knives that you consider custom. Mm-hmm. That might actually be the distinction for you. Mm-hmm. The, the crazy thing is that the process to make them could be the same probably. Yeah. With more exquisite materials, maybe some different finishing and, yeah. so, and whatnot. So yeah. what, what makes, and that's like, for me, it's like, okay, the realization of the right tool for the job, I think, or like the right skill for the 
for the application. So here, like the, the example would be, I made some wraiths a while back. Like you've seen that model. Mm -hmm. It looks like a, it looks like a knife that is like produced, Mm -hmm. but I'm using all of my hand skills to get to that point. Yeah. But I could fully use the CNC and end up at that point. At the same thing. At the same point. And so for me, that knife in my head, even when I hand make them, I'm like, it's already leaning towards like a production model. Yeah. 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 Right. So I think that being able to connect with the creativity of like fully manual process is what I'm after. But it's there, it's almost, I want it in like a more exploratory yeah. way. So a handmade, one handmade prototype. Yeah. Kind yeah, of thing. And then yeah. go to CAD if I want to make yeah. more of them. Mm-hmm. No, that'd be cool. I, I've been thinking like a more custom line where they're yeah. not made to order, yeah. where it's not something anyone rec- could request, but I would do like a hand rub satin with wood scales. Yeah. And that's something I would not put on my configurator because right. that doing hand rub satin and wood scales would be not a scalable yeah. thing in the way that I'm doing it. Right. And so that, that could be something that now I've, I've mentioned to, to uh, Dalton that like with him helping me with the production side, I maybe have a little more free time to get more creative with that side of yep. it. And that's where I could call that custom. Yeah. Like a I signature agree. series is kind of how I was thinking of like phrasing it. Yeah. Signature series, custom shop, like limited editions. I mean, all of these things play like, you know, knife industry is still like so many people have so many opinions about how things are done Mm -hmm. because it's not the way that their granddad did it, or it's not the way that their favorite knife maker Mm -hmm. does it, or that someone said on YouTube. And what you realize is a lot of that comes from either the hobbyist maker, because once you get to the point where you're making your primary income from knives, I think you generally speaking have enough knowledge to kind of like understand how hard (laughs) any of it is. Mm -hmm. And so you stop being like, I do it this way and it's better than what you do. You're just like, dude, you do it too. You're crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like the way you do it. Or I know, you know, knives are hard to make. I've said that before. And like, I've always tried to check myself. I'm like, am I just so vain that I think what I'm doing is hard, but I've like, I've been around enough other manufacturing, not to say that any other thing is easier per se, but like knives are hard. Like I have found that the things I've been around, like knives have these nuances that a lot of things don't have. It just is the way it is. As a product, as like, as a product, it is a complicated and price inefficient. Like you have, there's so even in a fixed blade, yeah. There's and so many things that have to work and it's competitive. Yeah. Right. And it's a limited market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Time to start making stuff for pets and babies. <laughs> Dude. And I just, I just dream of the day where I could run a machine shop that only touches aluminum because I know oh, yeah. of a machine shop that's pretty large in, yeah. in Nampa that I'm, I know the, the owner pretty well. He's got a whole suite of machines. He's got everything you could think of. Yeah. All, all everything, big machines, small machines, fast machines, lathes. And he pretty much is an, I only touch aluminum guy. Yeah. And so he does large billet aluminum parts, you know, large shop does a lot of work. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I, and I'm sure he has his own struggles of things that they make. I'm sure. But like, be nice to go to aluminum. <laughs> yeah, there's, well, I mean, even in the knife industry, like there's some, some brands that crush, 
Yeah, the autos. With, with the autos, yeah. man, with aluminum. And so yeah. that's like, that's a great like exploratory one for you at yeah. a point. You're like, cool, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a button lock auto or whatever it is. I'm going to yeah. hit aluminum. Like, and you can switch a little of the, the, you know, business to something that is maybe like easier in yeah. some capacity. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fun. So many opportunities, man. I know. I know. What do you do? Got to build the Nova one first. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So that's it. Yeah. Like CAD. I just got to keep digging into CAD. I'm, I'm finally getting to a point where I'm starting to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. This is silly. I'm gonna hold this up for, I've been messing with this um, since they can't see it. Oh, nice. Um, do you want me to it, describe it or no? No. no. Um, but it is a, it is a small 3d model of a fidget toy. And I didn't even have to call TJ when I did it and I 3d printed it. And, um, I think it's awesome. It's it like, so awesome. it's, it's stupid it simple, but the ability to just like go in, model it up, 3d print it. Yeah. It's game a cool changing. workflow. It's cool, cool. workflow. So it's, it's starting to take. Like mm-hmm. it's not pure frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, I've okay. found um, I'm, I'm developing. So I'm developing like this process to engage the hyper-focus, right? Mm-hmm. Research. So if I start with research, it almost automatically engages the drive to like push forward. Mm-hmm. So if I know that I want to do CAD, I will go on YouTube and start, start watching, watching like you know, like yeah. the videos from like Lars Christensen. Yeah. Um, and it like, it kicks like just a little bit of incentive in and it makes it easier for me to go to work. Oh, that's smart. Just start getting that information just flowing. Just yeah. get it flowing. Yeah. It's like priming the pump a little bit. I found that once you have questions, then yeah. you need answers. Yeah. But to get questions, you need to like see or hear something to get yeah. that going. Yeah, dude, but it's dangerous on the flip side of that, like hyper-focus. I've been looking at trucks and I accidentally went into a dealership today and almost like very, very, very closely left without buying a F-250. <laughs> it's like good dealerships are, they're good at what they do, man. They're good. They're very good at what they yeah. do. Especially when you're already a, a truck or car guy. Dude. And they see it come from a mile away. I think, you know what? I don't know if you have this too. I'm like, I think I'm a bit of a people pleaser. And so like, I always feel guilty. Yeah. Like, I'm like, like a test drove it. So I have to buy it. Test drove it. So I have to buy it. And like, I feel awkward. Yeah. Do you think that's the business owner in you in part? Uh, no, the business owner in me doesn't say I'll be back when I'm at a flea market. That's business owner. That's like telling someone that you'll come back to buy something is like, so like, I don't know, like it's dishonest. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. just, I don't, I don't think people do it to be dishonest. I think they are just not aware of the fact that when you say that, like it's weird. Yeah. Some people might internalize that and then yeah. actually be thinking about you six hours later that you never came back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like, don't tell me you're going to come back. So it's like, I, I walked on this. They actually made me like a pretty good offer. I've been like doing the research. This is the problem. I do the research on the truck. I kind of know like where I want to be, but, but the, as soon as I step foot across the line of like the process, like once I'm engaged in a negotiation with stakes, I have a really hard time like 
disengaging. So I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm going to like see this through. And they, they know that I'm telling and you, they know, the dealerships that. So like, know that. Yeah. It's funny. So yeah. like, they were like, what can we do to put it in today? I'm like, there's yeah. absolutely always be nothing. Yeah, yeah. Always, always be closing. There's, yeah. There yeah. is nothing that you can do to put me in a truck today. Yeah. Like, I, I I've tried to, when I go into dealerships, cause you know, I've shopped cars a few times and I, I try to really, really like <laughs> I go in like, I'm not buying anything today. Yeah. Like I'm and and then start leaning towards it as you like see good pieces of information, but try to go in thinking you're going to be disappointed. You're going to hate it. Yeah. It's not the right truck. And then let the truck and the person convince you it is yeah. rather than like you're already leaning towards it. And as yeah. soon as you walk in the door, it's like, it's like four into the conclusion. You're flushed. Yeah. It's well, this bad. was, this was, this was actually kind of fun. We can, I want to dig into this. Like, is this, is this sales or is this just like, it's both probably. Yeah. So I go in, they've got, they've got like a 20, 2019 F250 that I see. So that's what I pull in to look at. Um, mileage kind of high. I test drive it. It's pretty rad. Go inside just to, just to like see what else is on the lot. Puts me towards a Ram 2,500. I'm pretty unfamiliar, but like I've been looking at specs. So like looks rad. I want to check it out, get inside, check it out. As I'm leaving, He's like, Hey, can I introduce you to my manager? Just so, uh, just so you can like say I did a good job and like tried to sell you a truck. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Introduce to the manager. Manager's like, Oh, you're looking for F250? He's like, Roger, did you show him that one that we just got in? And he's like, we just got one in. He's like, yeah, it's out back. He's like, it's not cleaned or anything. He's like, but it's, it's what you're looking for. And it's uh, out back and it's dirty. And they just took it in. It's the price point that I want. Oh, geez. And it's the, it's the configuration that I want. And I'm like, what are the odds? Like, what is the, the guy, the sales guy never brought the truck up. Yeah. Did not bring, I don't think he knew he's an older salesman. I don't think he knew it was there. Mm. Let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. You said, what are the odds? I'm yeah. saying, what are the odds that I get a picture <laughs> of that truck tomorrow? Dude. Seems uh, like, it seems like your, uh, this gravitational pull has got you. No, you know, you know what the thing is, both of the trucks. So the 2019 had 80,000 miles on it and it was a gas engine. If I'm going to get out of my Tacoma, which is like hard emotionally, I want a pretty low mileage truck. I just, I want it. Yeah. The, the other one. So the one they had out back was a 2017 Lariat, 89,000 miles, Mm. but it's diesel. It's pretty yeah. low mileage diesel. Yeah. But I, but here's, here's where it is. I don't know that I need a Lariat. I'm going to probably put seat covers on it. This is going to be a truck that I'm building into an overland rig, yeah. like a, like a big overland rig. And I, I looked and I was like, man, I found it. I found a 2019 for same money, 45,000 miles on it. And so it's like, for me, if I know they're out there, I'm not, I'm pro- mm. I probably won't, I probably won't pull the trigger on it, Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I still get well, a feel it. Pricing's hard. I f- so the one I found is in Washington. I found a cheap one in Wa- a nice cheap one in Washington. I called, they won't let me buy the truck. They hmm. won't sell. He's like, we're not doing any out of state sales. Hmm. That's figure that one out. Service. Uh, I bet it's service. They, they want to make their money on the back. They want to make yeah. their money on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're sense. Washington, you want to buy me a truck and drive it down, I'll pay for it. You're right, right, dude. So, yeah, but yeah, I'm ready. And, uh, 
my my Jeep that I have right now, I, I shopped them for years, like this exact model, yeah. and I had it down to science of exactly what I wanted. And when this one popped up, I kid you not, it, I saw it on like the website the the morning of, and I had I, sh- I was looking almost every day, and so I saw it the morning of. I walked into the dealership and I like found a salesman. I'm like, you're just gonna sell me this Jeep. Like I don't just you don't have to say a word like I'm buying this Jeep because it, I just waited that long before going into the dealership. And then I saw it pop up and I knew it was what I wanted. It was like, boom. Um, Does it work? Like but, if you walk in and there's three salesmen and you're like, look, here's the deal. I am buying this Jeep. Just the question is which one of you I buy it from. Mm-hmm. Is there any incentive? I th- I think what happened was I, I went straight to the Jeep in the lot yeah. and then just... <laughs> You know, they do the little Rochambeau where they have yeah. like take turns and yeah. whichever guy came out, I was like, well, it's your lucky day. It's your Buy lucky day. Dude, yeah. it's so fun. I, I'm sure there's like some strategies yeah. there. I would like to go in and start looking at like, like a Kia mm-hmm. and then let it work up to an F-250. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. So, That's okay. A, it's a fun tangent. I like, Sales. I like trucks and cars. Dude. I'm ex- I, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear about this journey. All right. We're going to wrap it. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. All right. Thanks Thanks for listening, guys. See you around. Peace.